Hey, 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 how's it going out there, my mushroom lovers? Oliver Carlin here, and I'm the Mushroom Man. I'm about to jump into a podcast with Adam Harriton, who has, for the past eight years, devoted his life to educating people on the power of mushrooms and plants and how to identify them and find them in the wild. And he has a YouTube channel of over 500,000 subscribers and 30 million views. So not only has he is he educating people on these things, they've also... Nature and mushrooms have had a huge impact on his life. So let's jump into the uh, podcast right now and let's talk to Adam. So the big question is this. With over 10,000 different species of mushrooms, how do people that want to benefit from their various medicinal properties accurately identify them in the wild, grow them at home, or make them taste delicious without having to read confusing medical reports and possibly eating a poisonous lookalike by mistake? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Oliver Carlin, and welcome to Curative Mushroom. All right, we're live. Awesome. So joining me, Adam Harrington. Thanks for being here, Adam. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the Curative Mushrooms podcast. I am um, real excited to have you on because, uh, <clears throat> you know, I when I really started learning about mushrooms, your YouTube channel was, <laughs> it was really the channel I went to personally for a lot of the stuff that I've learned. And so um, anyway, I'm really excited to have you here and to hear what you have to share today. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I started that YouTube channel a long time ago, uh, but I still keep up with it. I still feel like I need to keep up with it, uh, but it's been fun. It's evolved a little bit, but a lot of the basics are still the same. I still have like an intro, the main content, an outro, similar music. So not much has changed, actually. Uh, so hopefully people still but find value content, in it. The content is what's so good about it. Just like the way the way you deliver it. And it's just so easy to understand. I don't know what it is, but, and it's, the, it's just really good content, you know? And I think that's what makes it so good. <clears throat> yeah, thanks. I mean, I always wanted to keep it simple. Before I started the YouTube channel, I would follow other people, like back before there were a lot of channels on YouTube. And the mm -hmm. ones I always liked were the people that just gave you straight information and didn't yeah. really like fumble their way through the conversation or... They weren't sure what to say. I just, I don't want to waste people's time. So I like to get into it and then get out of it as quickly as I can. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, thanks for the compliment. I appreciate it. Yeah, and you, you know, you go out there in nature and you can just, you know, I don't know, you can just, you feel the enjoyment of being, it's like you're being, and when you're watching the videos, it's like you're there, a part of it with you, I think, is what makes it so good too. Yeah, but, I mean... I kept that discipline to pretty much film every episode outside on location. Mm -hmm. This is one of the rare experiences of me being inside. No, so people was, like aren't used to seeing me like with walls behind me. I was expecting, uh, but I do spend a lot of time. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I, I'm not outside today. It's a little <laughs> hot and humid. Just kidding. I would still be out there today, but <laughs> no, I mean, I don't mind being inside. I actually do a lot of work inside. This is where I do all my editing. It's not like I live outside or anything. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. Most of my videos are filmed out there. It's hard sometimes. I mean, anyone who's filmed content outside, which is a lot of people know that you have to basically plan ahead. If you want the weather to be okay, if you want the lighting to be okay, it's not just like I come with an up with an idea, then I'm outside filming. I check in advance. I'm watching the wind, 
I'm watching the sunshine. I'm trying to get out there early before people are outside as well, before mm-hmm. like the leaf blowers start revving their engines. So right, there's right. a lot that goes into it being outside. But some people think there's a green screen behind me because in a lot, oh, in most good. of my shots, I mean, I just have a tripod. It's not like somebody's filming this stuff. And so mm-hmm. it looks pretty fake behind me in a lot of mm-hmm. cases. And they're like, nice green screen. I didn't know you had one of those. Or they think I'm using a teleprompter, but no, none of that stuff. It's so pretty From funny. now on, you'll have to just reach behind you and grab yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> well, many times I am like touching the log and stuff, but for the ones where I'm basically lecturing or just going on and on about a topic, it yeah. does kind of look fake behind me, but I assure you it's always real. I don't even know how to set up a green screen. <laughs> right, right. Well, cool, cool. So... <clears throat> Well, how does all this get started for you? Like, how did you get into, you know, being so involved with nature and identifying plants and mushrooms and and being so knowledgeable about all these things? Like, where does all this begin for you? I mean, I, I guess there are some beginnings in my childhood, but not a lot of them. Most of it was as an adult and it came about through health and nutrition. I wanted to eat healthier. I wanted to look healthier. I wanted to feel healthier. And being outside was part of that equation. But even before I knew that it was important just to be outside, I knew it was important to eat things that were growing wildly outside. Mm. And I became super involved in science and reading scientific literature and trying to dig up information on the healthiest foods that are out there in the world. And I kept coming across like the same thing. It seemed like the wild foods were on average healthier than their domesticated counterparts. And that intrigued me so much. And so that's how I got into foraging. But I was so lucky that here in Western Pennsylvania, we've got a lot of nature organizations and clubs. So there's like a scene here. And I know there's a scene in many different areas, but not everywhere. I mean, I'm sure there's many parts of the country in the United States where there aren't organizations, there aren't a lot of clubs or people actively going out. There were a bunch of them and there still are here. And I mean, it's kind of like, if you wanted to make it in the eighties as like a glam metal artist, like you go to Hollywood, California or punk or hardcore, like you go to New York city or you want to be in the film industry, you go to LA, but for mushrooms, it's like you go to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, or you go to New York because they have an awesome club and there are different clubs scattered throughout. But I didn't realize it at the time that that was huge, but it actually was because there was a community already established around it. Mm. And that got me super excited and just kept me wanting to go out and always having somebody to talk to about this stuff and not just doing it on my own. Like having mentors guide me through the process because I don't know about you, but like the first time I ate a wild mushroom, I was kind of scared. Like I was kind of apprehensive. I didn't know if this thing was edible. I'd never (laughs) done such a thing before. But having somebody confirm that for you and say, yeah, absolutely. Like, I've eaten this before. It's really good. It just makes you feel so much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean because even even when I know a lot and I've read a lot about mushrooms and I've watched like five videos about it, when I harvest that mushroom and I'm by myself and I'm looking at it and I'm like, how sure am I? (laughs) Do do I really know those people (laughs) that I watch? (laughs) Uh, you know, what I mean, I'm like, oh man, you get nervous. You're like, man, you know, is this really, you know, it's interesting how that works. <laughs> but. Yeah. So that's basically how I got started. And I just wanted to teach as well. Like I, I like doing it, 
I felt like it came natural to me early on. And I wanted other people to experience what I was experiencing. Like, I remember being out there just walking around thinking, oh, I wish I could share this with other people. And I was by myself at the time. And I thought, well, I have a camera. You know, I used to film like music videos and skate videos and just doing silly things like with my brothers and friends. So I had those kinds of skills. And I thought, well, I'll just start a channel. And one video led to another, led to another, led to another. Um, and it's not like I have a ton of videos on YouTube, but just probably over 190 right now. Uh, and I'll keep doing it until I don't do it anymore. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, it's been fun. Awesome, awesome. And um, so, so that's basically, so it got started for you just out of, you know, your own education and your own desire to get healthier and learning more about your land really. And, and so that just led you into learning about this stuff and sharing the information online now with over 30 million people, <laughs> I think. Where do you get, where do you get the 30 million number from? <laughs> I don't check my stats too often. I think your channel, I looked at the stats before I got on, I think it was 30 million views. Oh, uh, maybe views, yeah. Well, your, channel, your channel has 34 million views. Okay. Well, thanks. I should hire you to be my Nate. analytics guy. <laughs> <laughs> Just remind me what I have going on in the channel. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I enjoyed doing this stuff. It came natural to me and I continue to do this and try to like hone the craft a little bit, but I don't want to pigeon my hold myself into like being the mushroom guy. And I think early on I was going in that direction, but it was never just about mushrooms for me. Mm. I got really excited about that stuff, but it was always learning the land. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the name of the business, learn your land. It was never about learning just mushrooms or learning just plants or learning just mm -hmm. trees. It's learning yeah. as much as you possibly can. And it sounds so trite to say it, but like everything is connected out there. I mean, it mm -hmm. really is. And as I started learning more and more mushrooms, I realized that I was actually learning less and less about the land, the more mushrooms that I was learning. So I kind of had to pivot Interesting. personally myself. It wasn't like a business move or anything. Uh -huh. I just felt like I was spending too much time looking through a microscope, reading old research articles, debating the names of things. And I thought I need to just be outside and just enjoying what's out there. And there's mm. so much more out there than just a mushroom. And I love mushrooms. I really do. And I still love learning them. But honestly, it's just one small piece of what's out there and what gets me excited. And I encourage mm. other people to do that as well. I mean, I know there are people that are just specialists in their craft. And I think that's great. It really helps. But don't be afraid to like broaden your interests that are out there and learn something new because it can lead you in a whole new direction and help you see the land from a different perspective. Because we just see it through like mushroom eyes if we go out looking for mushrooms or just through tree eyes if we are just looking at trees. But there's mm -hmm. so much more out there. I mean, it, it is endless. You know, that I think that was one of the biggest things I learned from you when I watched your videos, you know, is that in order to identify mushrooms, I need to know the plants they associate with, right? And so in order to really to find a mushroom, I had to know what a tree, what a certain type of tree or a certain type of plant was. So that if I see those plants, I know to go look for those types of mushrooms. And so I started, I learned that a lot early on from you was just how important it was to know about all of the plants when you go out. And so I've tried myself to learn to educate 
like what kind of tree is that you know and to look at the bark and the you know the leaves that have fallen and try to identify so <laughs> yeah yeah i mean when we look for mushrooms a lot of us stop at the name or the edibility of it mm -hmm. maybe we'll be interested in what role it's playing out there whether it's mycorrhizal or saprotrophic or parasitic mm -hmm. and then few of us will actually go to the next step and say well why is it growing here like what is it about this landscape yeah it's mycorrhizal but what's it connected to what tree and then why is this tree here like why does it prefer to grow here and not two miles away like what's different about the mm. landscape or if it's growing two miles away why isn't it growing 20 miles away or 200 miles away mm -hmm. and then you start getting into landscape features you start getting into soil composition you start getting into geology and it just goes like deeper and deeper and deeper but it really helps you make sense of where you are and many times people just stop at a name and never take the opportunity to go a little further. But I promise you, it's always worth it to go further. Always. Even if you stop at like the second level or third level, try to go a little bit further and try to see why all of these things are here and not somewhere else. Or if they are somewhere else, what makes it so common? Like, what is it about this general area? Mm. And it's fascinating. It really is. And it makes you feel like you actually belong to this place when you gain the knowledge about it. Wow, wow. Yeah, it's almost like a puzzle, right? You're trying to figure out all these pieces to, to understand this whole bigger picture that's going on. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting. It yeah, and the answers don't always come easy. And mm -hmm. I hate it and I love it at the same time. <laughs> because I mean, today answers seem to be so easy, you know? Like mm -hmm. you can get an answer pretty quickly with a lot of things that are out there. And I know some people would say, yeah, but with nature, you can get an answer. You could just like snap the picture. This app will tell you what it is. But that's like such a surface level answer, though. I mean, it goes so much deeper, so much deeper. And sometimes you don't get an answer and you just have to be OK with not knowing something. And then maybe years down the road, you will discover the answer. And it is one of the greatest feelings in the world to just like put something on hold or like in the back of your brain. And say, okay, I don't know why this thing is here. I don't know what this thing is. I'm okay with that for now. Let's just move on. And then mm -hmm. out of the blue, like six years later, the answer comes to you or you see it in a book or somebody tells you something and you put those pieces together. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, it's one of the greatest, if not the greatest feeling in the world. It just like blows your mind. And the fact that you held on to that like little nugget for so long and then it finally gets connected. It just feels so good. And I encourage people to experience that more by not always trying their best to seek answers, but relish the questions, like live in the questions. What would be a good example of that for somebody that's going, that's like, um, you know, that's trying to go deeper into it? Like if you, so if you find a mushroom growing in a certain area, what's, what's an example of someone trying to take it? another level deeper to uh, figure it out. I mean, at a, a very easy example to discuss, and this might be obvious to a lot of people, and you might not realize that you did it, but people interested in finding morels, they have no idea where to look. And so if you're just brand new, you might literally just look anywhere. And I understand morels can grow anywhere. They might just grow in your backyard. They might just <laughs> grow in your, your mulch wood chips. But if you're interested in finding like what people call honey holes, it's like there are certain features of the land that produce those honey holes. 
and you can increase your chances of finding them if you know a few things. And so mm -hmm. the second level to that would be, okay, I know what a morel looks like. I'm not quite sure where it grows, but tree associations. And so that's an obvious example. And so you learn what trees mm -hmm. grow in association with morels, but you have to ask yourself, well, what do all those trees have in common? Like, why do trees, where do those trees even grow? Like, let's say morels grow in association with Eastern cottonwood trees. Well, where do Eastern cottonwood trees grow? Or they grow in association with American elms. Well, where do American elms grow? Or they grow in association with tulip poplar trees. Well, where do those trees grow? And it turns out that a lot of these areas have moist, fertile soils. And uh, in many cases, they grow in slightly alkaline soils as well. And so you can get out a geological map and start looking at areas where maybe limestone is present or where the soil seems to be a li little more alkaline than acidic. Wow. And then you just go out into those areas and you honestly don't even have to know trees at this point. You just have to go to those areas that you find on a map that you check off and mm. you might start seeing morels. Now, again, the caveat here is, of course, morels can grow anywhere. I've seen them grow in acidic soils. I've seen them grow in people's backyards. Mm. But generally speaking, at least where I live, if you put all those pieces together that I just mentioned, you'll probably increase your chances of finding them. Mm. Wow. And I'm sure that would apply to any type of mushroom, right? Whether it's morels, lion's mane, reishi, yeah. turkey tail, whatever, whatever it is you're trying to look for, it would yeah, be I mean, the same process, right? <clears throat> yeah. And that's why I strongly encourage people to learn trees because unlike mushrooms, trees are always visible to us. I understand that the mycelium is there for a long time, but we don't see it we see the mushroom whenever it pops up. But for most of the year, we don't see anything unless it's like a perennial polypore or something like that. But trees are so large. A lot of them are very tall. They're present year after year after year. So mm -hmm. in my opinion, they tell you so much more about the land than mushrooms do. And if a mushroom does tell you something about the landscape, it's usually because people are instantly connecting it with a tree. And then they're using that tree to tell them something about the land, but they're not giving credit to the tree. <laughs> it's really the tree that's telling you a lot. But again, it's not just the tree because you have to ask yourself, why is the tree growing there? Probably has something to do with the soil. It has something to do with the topography. It has something to do with the hydrology, the geology. There's a lot involved here. And it seems mm -hmm. like, wow, that's so much to learn or to remember. But if you're interested in learning land, you'll do it. I mean, it just, it's fun for me. And I know it's fun for a lot of people. I think they just need permission to go that extra step and not just stop at a name or edibility. Mm -hmm. And so I'm giving you permission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that is interesting because, you know, understanding more about your land for somebody who's interested, if they're interested in foraging mushrooms, can allow you to know where to look, find your own honey holes, find your own spots. You're not, you know, and so, but like you said, it's, it's good to have a community and stuff like that and a place to reach out to for questions and stuff um, like you, you've been able to get to and stuff. Yeah. And, and I encourage people to seek out in-person communities. I understand the importance of online communities. I mean, I learn a lot that way, but there is no substitute for an in-person community. There really isn't. I mean, I think humans are hardwired to talk to other people face to face. And every time you use an app to identify something, that's a missed opportunity 
to speak to somebody in person and have mm -hmm. a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. Like I was in Tennessee a couple weeks ago and I don't know a lot of the flora down in Tennessee. Admittedly, I don't know a lot of it. I mean, there's some overlap with what grows up here in Pennsylvania, but I love not knowing a lot of the stuff. And you know what I did? I would talk to people and ask them, mm -hmm. do you know what this is? Do you know your wildflowers around here? Do you know your trees? Like, can you help me out here? Because mm -hmm. I didn't pull out a phone and start identifying things with an app, I had conversations with people and they were wonderful conversations. They were the nicest people. We had things in common. It's not like I got their phone number and we're going to stay in touch, but every time I didn't use an app or a computer, I was able to meet somebody in person and talk to them and have a genuine conversation with them. And so I encourage people to do that. You know, I, I don't think it's very common these days to do such a thing. We think community is just online community, um, but, it's always a missed opportunity if you use the internet to speak to somebody in person. And there's a lot of people who would love to share the information that they've learned. Mm -hmm. um, but we have to seek those people out. And I mean, those people should come out as well and say, hey, I'm willing to share what I know. Um, I think it's more important now than ever for those communities to develop. Mm -hmm. But it seems like it's just staying online. And again, there's a lot of benefits to it, but you have to ask yourself, what what opportunities are being missed because of these online communities? I wonder if it's hard to find maybe, you know, in some of the areas where people are at, maybe they don't know where to go to find yeah. the community to, to associate with. Yeah, you're right. Like I said, I'm very blessed to live in an area where communities have sprouted up already and they continue to sprout up. Yeah, yeah. But if you're the leader type, start a community. There you go. I mean, it could start online for sure. I'm not opposed to technology like this, creating <laughs> and using it. But you could be the leader of it, or you don't even have to be the leader. You could just be the instigator that gets a leader out of the woodwork, and then they'll mm -hmm. step forward. But I mean, every state has either a state park or a state forest or a natural area or some kind of nature preserve, and usually they're staffed by educators. Mm -hmm. And so speak to them and maybe put up flyers or start asking for them to lead events and then people will come out and then you meet people that way. And it's not mm -hmm. a quick thing. I mean, this could be a 10, 15, 20 year project and you might not even see the benefits of it. I mean, maybe it's not all about you. Maybe it's for the next people to come up for them to enjoy it. But mm -hmm. you did take a part in it because you spoke up, you gathered some people and then look what you started, you know, mm -hmm. like a lot of the founders of some of the organizations that exist where I am, they died, they're not around anymore. But I think about them and I'm sure they'd be thrilled to know like what it's like today, what these organizations are like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I wish there was more more of them out there. I know I'd, I'd like to participate in one nearby, but I, I don't think there's anywhere I'm at. <laughs> I should have, uh, in Virginia, when I was in Virginia, I probably should have found some more, but every time I looked, even where I was at, it was hard, but luckily I had places like online, like for you and your YouTube channel and stuff allowed me to at least get my foot in the door. So, you know, that was cool. Um, so for somebody who's like, just, you know, I don't know, like what, what's your favorite, what's your favorite mushroom? If you go out, if like, I know you do, you do a lot of plants and you do mushrooms and everything, but I mean, what's, 
if we're talking about mushrooms, like what's what's your favorite mushrooms that you've found? I mean, honestly, I don't have a favorite. I really don't. There's not like this. That's number one for me, or that's number two. That's number three. I don't. I don't rank them. I guess recently, just because they're fruiting right now, chanterelles. Mm. You know, I had them the other night, and they're great. I had chanterelles, and I had a bullet mushroom for dinner. <laughs> and so it's usually like whatever I just foraged or whatever I just learned. Now, having um, said that, edibility wise, yeah, there are some that are tastier than others. And so if we're going to talk about that, I mean, I think my favorite might be my Taki or Hen of the Woods. Mm-hmm. It's just so meaty. It's so big. Mm-hmm. I love the time of year that it fruits. Uh, I love oak trees. I love what it, what the maitake is associated with, the, the mm-hmm. oak tree. Uh, and there's a lot that you can do with it. It's very versatile. You can dehydrate it. You can make medicine out of it. So that one is a superstar in my opinion. And it was one of the first ones that I learned. So I always like have a special place for it in my heart. It, it's probably got some health benefits associated to it as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, in addition to like the vitamins and minerals associated with it and the vitamin D, I mean, if you dehydrate it, you can increase that. But there's some good research on some compounds isolated from it. Mm. There's a compound called defraction, which has been studied for its anti-cancer properties. Um, I don't, I've made medicine out of it. Uh, I haven't made it lately. But it's good stuff. It has a nice flavor. But yeah, there's some good research on it. I mean, whenever it comes to medicinal mushrooms, I mean, some people get weirded out and don't like to talk about it or think that oh, <laughs> it's all bogus. Uh, I don't think it is. There's a lot of good research out there. I don't think there will ever be enough research to convince skeptics. Mm. Um, and some people just, they're not into health. And I'm not going to take health advice from people that aren't into taking care of themselves. Mm. Uh, but a lot of people who take care of themselves, they know what's up. <laughs> they know what the good <laughs> stuff is. And a lot of it's found in mushrooms. And the maitake is one of the more well-studied out of all of them out there. I mean, some of the mushrooms don't really have a lot of research backing them up, but that one does. Mm. And it has a long traditional use in uh, Asian medicine. Yeah, yeah. So maitake and then... Um... And so you'd harvested those. What about, uh, is there any mushrooms that you particular, like you take not maybe aren't gourmet good tasting, but you take them for health benefit reasons or anything? Yeah. I mean like the Ganoderma, the reishi, reishi okay. mushrooms, those ones, mm-hmm. uh, they're bitter, very, very bitter. Mm-hmm. I know some people like to like cut off the edges and eat them. I've tried that. I don't like doing that. Uh, okay. the medicine is quite bitter, but, I don't, I don't mind the bitter taste, but it's not like I'm going to sit down and like drink a glass of it, like mm-hmm. little drops, a couple drops a day, something like that. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's a lot of medicinal mushrooms that don't taste that good, but chaga is an exception. I mean, that one, to me, it almost tastes like black tea. It's kind of tannic. Oh, okay. It's like mildly astringent. Have you ever had it? I've had it not um, by itself. I've had it with other stuff. Yeah. I haven't had it by itself. Yeah, I mean, it's super popular. 10 years ago, it wasn't. Nowadays, everybody's talking about it. Everybody's harvesting it. I don't <laughs> think that's a bad thing. Um, but it, like to talk about the medicinal properties, I'm sure there's a lot of people like, yeah, yeah, we know. We've heard it over and over and over again. It's like, look, if you want to blow up your YouTube channel, talk about chaga. <laughs> <laughs> talk about all those mushrooms. And, like, You'll get the followers. Like, that's how the algorithm works. But I don't want to be that guy that keeps doing that. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, it's no, a good yeah. one. 
Um, okay, well, how about, is there any mushrooms that you just won't take? Like, you're just like, I won't take those. Those are not for me. Yeah, uh, Amanita by Sporagera. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is that? One? Is that poisonous? Yeah, destroy Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna eat a poisonous like angel. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of amanita mushrooms. Not a lot. There's some amanita mushrooms I'll eat, but like, I'm not gonna um, eat a death cap or destroying an angel or like okay, dead I asked, I asked for that one. Okay, for one that's not poisonous. <laughs> <laughs> for one that's not poisonous. Is there one that, that you still wouldn't take? <laughs> no, no, I mean, it all depends on the context. Like if I'm hungry and it's edible and it's not buggy and it's not rotten. I mean, there's a lot of mushrooms, honestly, that I pass up because some people would harvest them. It's not like they're past their prime, but they're like mature. And years ago I would harvest them, but now it's like, eh, not really worth it. Like chicken of the woods is a good example. I would harvest like the gnarliest chicken of the woods starting out. <laughs> like it's already fading. It's like real crumbly. And then you break it in half and you see all these maggots in there, but it's like, oh, man. you don't know this stuff the first time you're foraging chicken of the woods, but you see people take <laughs> pictures on it. Like all uh -huh. the time, people that are just starting yeah, out. Yeah. And thankfully there's people that are like, don't eat that one. That one's too old. <laughs> but I mean, right. I like the ones that are like just erupting out of the log or just out of the tree. Like even if it fans uh, out, yeah. I still might not harvest it. It's like a little too chitinous for me, mm -hmm. a little too tough. Like I really like the young tender mushrooms. So I've been more like choosy and selective over the years. And I'm okay with leaving a lot behind. Like I'm yeah. not the person that's just gonna like wipe my hillside clean. It's like not my style. Yeah, yeah. You leave some for other people to enjoy or other living creatures to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, just, just leave some. Uh, I can leave it at that, you know? I mean, there's so many reasons to leave some behind. Mm -hmm. I think you reaffirm abundance, you know? And yeah. gratitude. Like you're grateful for what's been given and you're grateful for what's out there. And so leave some behind. Mm. But a lot of people don't think that way. And I understand it's not like I'm knocking anyone who does that. And then people call you like a pick shamer or uh, talking about this kind of stuff, but I don't know. I just personally, I don't feel good about taking anything in life. Like I don't want a lot of things. I don't need a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that there will be more. Yeah. Like it's almost like a scarcity mindset to take everything. Like you're um, almost like of this poverty mindset. Like there's not enough. And yeah. so I have to take it all because there might not be any more. Mm. It's like, chill out. There's probably going to be more. There's probably like going to be more. And you're not nice. just applying that mindset to mushrooms. Like, that's your outlook in life. Like the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Mm -hmm. And so if you're thinking about nature that way, like not enough. And look, I understand that there are some things that are endangered, not necessarily mushrooms with some mm -hmm. plants. And like, clearly you're not going to want to even take one of something. If something right. is like super, super threatened. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to mushrooms, it's probably going to be okay. I see. Yeah, you're right. I, yeah. Even Paul Stamets, I see him chasing down those going extinct mushrooms can't remember the name of them but like yeah he's very picky he's like don't even like don't even barely touch them leave don't them alone. look at it <laughs> yeah like <laughs> <coughs> exactly so that's showing respect too so that's good 
Um, so like, have you ever come across anything like Amanita muscarias or any of those types of mushrooms? Yeah, so we've got a common variety, which is Gasawiite, it's that yellow fly agaric mushroom. Um, yeah, I get the yellow ones a lot, at least when I was in Virginia. Yeah. They pop up everywhere. Yeah, usually around here with eastern white pine. Um, I've seen some already this year, but typically they are fruiting prolifically in the autumn season. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I see a bunch of them. Honestly, I've never eaten them. I've never used them for any purpose other than to film and photograph. Mm -hmm. uh, I like seeing them. I think they're beautiful mushrooms. I don't think it's something that my body is interested in right now, but I like seeing it. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Have you ever <laughs> uh, imbibed in anything made from Amanita muscaria? Yeah, yeah. I, I harvest them near my place in Virginia. And so I, I, um, I dry them out first because when I read online, they said you, you didn't want to eat them like fresh because um, it could mess with some people get stomach upset if you eat them fresh. So I said, okay, well, I'll dry it out. People recommended drying them out first. So I dried them out, made them cracker dry. And then um, from there, I made a tea. So I put some into a tea and, um, you know, boil some water and then let them soak in there. And I would, I, they, they think they recommended like a cap, like one cap um, was like about the size of, like you didn't want to go over that <laughs> if you're going to, you know, if you're just starting out. So anyway, that was, uh, that's about how I consume them. I didn't try to like saute them up or anything, but you know, that's how I did it. <laughs> Yeah, neat. Yeah, I've got some friends who eat it. Um, and they like the taste of it. But yeah, it's just like never spoken to me in that way. So I just leave <laughs> it behind. Just let those ones be, huh? Gotcha. Yeah. Well, what about the whole psilocybe world? I mean, there, there's a tons, thousands of different strains of those. You've had to have run into some of those out when you're foraging. Yeah, so we've got a couple species around here. The most common uh, are what people call the ovoids. Psilocybe mm. ovoidea cystidiata. A very mellifluous name. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they're real common around here. Like, mm. you have to try to not find them. Like, that's oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I know people have never found them. They're like, what are you talking about? I've never found them before. It's like, well, hang out in like playgrounds like May and June and maybe in October <laughs> or hang out in like college campuses or hang that's out near like crazy. police stations. Cause they seem that's to they pop, up. pop up, you know, <laughs> it's <laughs> true though. Like it really, really is. Uh, but they typically grow in wood chips around here, but in nature, where do you find wood chips? You find them in river floodplains because it's oh. always like all the flooding waters, like grinding up the sticks and transporting it oh. down. And so it settles and that's okay. where they tend to pop up in the wilder settings. So oh. those are ones that I see, uh, but again, I mean, I know it might disappoint some people to hear, but it's not a big part of my life. It really isn't. I mean, one of the biggest criticisms I get on my channel is I never talk about psychedelic mushrooms. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's like, I don't talk about a lot of things. Like, I really don't. Like my channel, I know it's pretty broad, but there's a lot of things that I've never, ever, ever touched upon. And it's, there's no specific reason other than I'm just not too familiar a lot of times. Uh, or I just don't feel like talking about it at that moment. Mm -hmm. But um, they're not that hard to find. I think they're pretty easy to identify because of the bluing reaction. 
Mm-hmm. You might confuse it for the deadly gallerina around here. And I've mm-hmm. seen them growing pretty close to each other. But the deadly gallerina is just not gonna stay in, not gonna bruise blue where the philosophy mm-hmm. of void de cystidiata will. Gotcha, gotcha. So are those ones did you ever think about eating those ones? Or you just leave those ones off limits? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought about it, and I acted on that thought, and I did. Oh, you did eat them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, does that surprise anybody? No, no, it doesn't surprise me. I just, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know if you did or not. You never, I don't think you've ever talked about it. Yeah, I mean, look at this smile. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got the vibe. I mean, smile. I got the vibe from you that you did. But... No, I mean, I've always been a smiley guy. Like, <laughs> teachers in fourth grade were always commenting on it. And, uh, yeah, but again, it, it, it hasn't been a big thing. It's not like always microdosing this or once a year got to do this. And I'm not knocking anybody who does that. I know a lot of people who do it and I think it's fantastic if it works for you. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's been one of those things where, and I know we've heard the saying over and over and over again, but like, if you get that message, like, cool, now it's time to act on it and then do the real work. Yes. I can't live in that space. And I can't experience that space too often because I get the same message over and over and over and over and over again, which means like you that. haven't acted on what something's trying to I tell you. That. I love that. And you have to. And that's the hardest thing. It really is. I mean, I know some of those experiences can be like terrifying and very, <laughs> very difficult. Personally, I think it's way more difficult to take that message and then act on it and then mm-hmm. do something about it. And I don't think people take that next step too often. It's so much easier just to take the next step you know, drink or eat the next thing, whatever it's in. But there's a message usually associated. Like, I'm not going to say if you're lucky, you'll get a message because many times you do get a message and it's different for everybody. Usually involves love. (laughs) That seems to be a common theme. But how hard is it to love these days? It's pretty difficult. Like it really is to like open yourself up and just be a loving person. Mm -hmm. I mean, you go online, you go into these mushroom forums. There's so much hate. And you know a lot of these people have like taken this stuff and it's like, okay, look, yeah, you haven't taken that message and acted on it. Like, why know, all this right? hate? You think those mushroom communities would be like the most loving communities know, in the world right? and they're not. It's the so what, does that, what does that tell you, you know? That's so crazy. It's yeah. like, you guys need to go take some more. I think you yeah. forgot what you you forgot the message you're here for. You yeah. You need to go take some more. Oh, man. You know, that's so that's so true what you're saying, because people say the same thing to me. I get the question a lot is, um, well, when was the last time you took, you know, like a bigger dose? Because I microdose, you know, all the time. But like, when was the last time you took a dose? And I'm like, a long couple years. <laughs> like, I don't I don't want to go back there anytime soon. And like you said, I get this. I, I love going back there. There's a lot to learn. I get messages, like you said, that help me, but I'm not at a point where I need to. I'm still working on the one I did before. You know what I mean? Like you said, I don't need more (laughs) right now. (laughs) If I need more, I'll take more. And I think, you know, that's just for everyone to decide for themselves, right? Yeah, for sure. It's an individual thing. And -hmm. I understand, like, it can also be a community thing as well. And when I say individual, I don't mean it's best to take it by yourself always without the support of somebody who knows what they're doing and that can help you out. I just mean, whatever you're going to receive from it, it can be Mm -hmm. individual and it can be different from a message that somebody else will receive, but it seems to come back to love and openness 
and connection. Man, it does. It always does. <clears throat> yeah. And you wonder why. But I mean, I don't know. I haven't figured that out. I, I, I thought about it. I was like, you know, I think everything is love. And we just, even when we get upset, we're getting upset because the only reason you can get upset is if you care about something and you love something, really. And so I just think it's all love. It's just you got the opposite of love. <laughs> that, and so you got the full circle of it. But <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I heard the best. Well, yeah, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Let's just say love well, is very important. And it's not that in my life, it's not that easy to always remain in that state. It's very easy to get thrown off, but you just have to keep reminding yourself that's who you are. That's what other people want from you, really. And you, everyone benefits when there's love. You can be angry and still loving. Yeah. Like you can be upset and still loving. Like you can <clears throat> be critiquing of somebody and still do it from love. Like it can come from love or it can come from some other dark place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's in there. And yeah. I think it wants to come out. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um, but what's funny, you know, it's really funny. <laughs> so like mycology, it, it's a science or biology. It's a science or botany. It's a science. They never talk about love ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> it's like, if you read a textbook on mycology or any, any science, you're right. You're actually right. I'll bet like 99 out of a hundred times, you're never going to find the word love in there at all. Like I studied nutrition at the university level. We never talked about love. Yeah. Why is that? You know, it's so strange. Like I didn't even hear the professors saying like, I love what I'm doing. Like, I love this. I love this food. I love this nutrient. I love this mushroom. Mm. Like, why do we like close ourselves off from that? And so in a way, I'm kind of fortunate that I didn't have a traditional like mycology education or botany. I had a science background through nutrition, but Luckily, I did it at an older age. I didn't do it right when I was 18. And so mm. I kind of saw right through it. And mm. I wasn't as influenced by like the strict like rules of it all and being mm. very serious about it and never expressing your emotions and how you feel about something. It's like, no, express mm. those emotions, you know? That's good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it always, it always like bothered me that nobody ever talks about love in science, at least in like conventional science. I know there are some people that, other people would claim are quacks or like alternative health practitioners. But mm. at least in like mainstream science, people shy away from that. And you have to wonder, is that because they personally shy away from it as well? You know, maybe it's a personal thing. That is interesting, you know, and now that I, I think about it, you're right. I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk. You don't hear people talk about love very often. It's almost like, maybe people don't know how to talk about it because like love is more of a feeling and it's not, it's almost like when I talk about the rain, I don't have to describe the rain, you know, because the rain is the rain <laughs> and you know, the sound of the rain needs no translation. Um, maybe it's kind of like that where, how do you explain something that, that can't be explained by words? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there are some people who exude it. Like, there are some very passionate professors, and you know they've got love inside of them. 
Mm-hmm. So they should they should say it more often. Put words to it. Tell Put us how you really it. feel. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, um, well, cool, cool. So you've so you've obviously tried them. So what what made you decide you knew what that mushroom was before you tried it um, the first time? What um, what made you want to try it? Were you curious? Like, what was your reasoning? Yeah, curiosity. I mean, you hear so many things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first time you see it, you're like, that can't be it. No, like, it can't be that easy. <laughs> like, it's right, really? Like, right there? <laughs> like, yeah, it's right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, curiosity and uh, hearing other people's stories about it. But being very careful. I don't think I was too reckless. Um, but, I mean, understanding that I have to like put some boundaries around this thing too. Meaning I understand like not everybody goes off the deep end. I know some people who have gone off the deep end for sure. And mm-hmm. their lives haven't been altered for the better. They've been altered for the worse. And I know it's not like it happens with everybody. And those cases might actually be extremely rare, but the possibility is there. Mm-hmm. And I always knew from the beginning, it's like, this is very, very special. Yeah. sacred even yeah. it's like a tool from the master and mm-hmm. if you read the Tao, it's like if you play with the master's tools chances are you're going to cut your hand uh, you have to be very very careful with these things mm-hmm. and i i've cut my hand a few times <laughs> <laughs> and so you have to learn from these things though uh, like and i understand that people do treat these things as sacred organisms mm-hmm. but i still think they're in it for themselves like deep down, I think people are like, yeah, but I, I want to improve myself. Like I, I want to change myself. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. Mm-hmm. That's just the culture we live in. You know, it's a very me centered culture. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times when we take these things, it's to benefit me and me only. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to think of it that way. Like I, I saw it and I thought, well, it's, it's showing up here for a reason. I respect that. Like I'm deeply grateful for this thing. How can I incorporate this into my life so that I can benefit others as well? Mm. And being very mindful of that every single time, mm-hmm. every single time, because I mean, this thing is like nuclear power. <laughs> it really <laughs> is. This thing is. I mean, it really is. It's like <laughs> you just can't even put words to it. Sometimes how powerful these things are. Man, yeah. That's um. And I know yeah. it sounds like I'm being vague, and I guess I kind of am, but it's just because what I said, I mean, it's hard to put words to these things. It really is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't have answers for why things show up or why I felt a certain way in the moment or why I decided to do something or why I'm not so interested in like making it a big part of my life today. I can just tell you what I've done. Like That's factual. This is what I did. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what I did. Wow, I like that. I love how you know you you treat it with so much respect, and you you know that's the way I feel like everyone should. Um, I don't use it for a party thing either. I know a lot of people do, and there's a place for that. But I like the way you handle it. That's the way I use it. I use it just for that reason as something that should be respected. And I use it for that purpose. 
And so I think that's a great lesson for anyone listening to, to consider that <clears throat> as well. Um, so, so how old, how old were you when you tried it then? <laughs> <laughs> the first time, I mean, the first time, like, how long ago was that? I, so, I mean, I, I don't even think people actually know how old I am. So even if I tell you how, how old I was at the time, it might not mean anything to people. I'm 37 right now. Okay. Uh, 10 years ago, I guess. So, okay. 10 years 10 ago. 10 years ago, yeah. Mm. Wow. So how much did you decide to take then when it was like 10 years ago? The first time you seen it, were you going for a big dose or were you just going to try well, a little I bit? Didn't, I didn't really know anything. I really didn't. I had never taken anything like that before in my life. But at that time, it was very special that it showed up. And I, because I found a lot, I eased my way into it. Okay. Meaning I literally just like bit a piece the first time and thought, oh, if I feel something, I'll know that like, yeah, this is definitely it and it's working. So you mean you just like grab it and just bite off a chunk of it? Yeah, I've done that. I think I did that the first time. Now, after positively identifying it for sure. To give this some perspective though, like if you compare, I, I don't, I can't remember the ovoids in potency compared to like a cabensis, which is the most popular one people know of. What do you know the potency level of an ovoid compared to something like that? No, maybe I don't. around the same. No, I mean, like I said, it, this isn't like a specialty of mine. Yeah. It's not something I do a lot of research on. Okay. Um, so no, I'm not sure. Okay. But I was always way more interested in what grew wildly around here than what could be cultivated. And so that's why the ovoids were right up my alley, like literally in the alley. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, because it's, it's a wild organism, you know, like it doesn't need to be tampered with uh, by humans. And I know it can be like you can transport them. Mm. And wood chips, like people put wood chips over here, they start coming up. So that's human influence. But these mm. things can grow fine without humans out here where I live. Mm. And I like that wildness of it. And mm. that's why I like eating wild foods as well. There's mm. something different about it. If this mm. thing can survive where I live out in the elements. I think that'll do something for me. And I know it will do something for me compared mm. to something that kind of needs to be babied and watched over. I eat yeah. that stuff too. I take that stuff too. To me, it's just a little different. It's a different energy whenever you're consuming something like that. I didn't take a massive amount the first time. I mean, maybe it was three, three grams dried. Okay. Um, it was pretty remarkable though. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll never forget it. I don't think people will ever forget these things, but I learned a lot. And like I said before, you got to act on these things and you know, it was like, Probably the biggest thing that happened with me, I was able to see life without me. Mm. And what I mean by that is we're so wrapped up in our heads. Mm -hmm. And I know objectively, if you ask somebody like, does life exist outside of you? They would say yes. But if you could get into their thoughts throughout the day, you would probably see and experience just me, 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 me. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. Or mm -hmm. this person's doing much better than me. Or what am I supposed to be doing tomorrow? Or how am I going to pay the bills? Or how am I going to get enough money? In? Mm -hmm. It's always like, it always comes back to the person. 
it's very hard to get outside of that for an extended period of time and to see mm. life without you. Mm. And so I know that there was life before me. I know that there will be life after me, but I was able to see, oh, there's so much life that's not me. So mm. much life that really, really matters that will go on and it's fine and has nothing to do with me. And that's a beautiful thing. It's really not about me at all. And it's almost like, how do you know what something is or how do you appreciate something if, it, if you don't know what its lack is or if you don't know what the opposite of it is? Like mm. we know what up is because we know what down is. We know what left is because we know what right is. We know what beautiful is because we know what ugly is. Mm. How do we know what life is if we don't know what it's like to not be alive? Mm. And so this allowed me to see what it's like to not be alive. Wow. And then when you come back, you're like, wow, I am alive. Like, <laughs> this is life. <laughs> it's incredible, you know? <laughs> you, you know what it's like to not be alive. And I know you could think about it like at two o'clock in the afternoon one day. Hmm, what's it like to not be alive? <laughs> it's not the same thing as like feeling it yeah. and like actually seeing it outside of you. Yeah, yeah. But that's what it did for me. Like, I know wow. what it's like to not be alive. And mm. I'm not saying it's like a good thought. It's kind of scary, actually, mm. that I'm so insignificant, you know? <laughs> like, I really don't matter that much. <laughs> but I do matter at the same time. Uh, yeah. Then there's a fine line to walk. Like, if I don't matter, then what's the point of doing anything, you know? But it's like, mm. no, you do matter enough that yeah. there are people counting on you. And that there are people that love you and you have to be there for them and you have to share your gifts for them mm. and for other things out there, not just humans. I mean, there's a lot of non-human yeah. things out there yeah. that can benefit from your existence. Mm -hmm. But yeah, life is amazing and it's important to get into that state. I'm not saying you have to do it through psychedelics. You can do it through meditation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and you've just been dreaming all night. So it's not like you're super wrapped up in like your forebrain and, constantly thinking of thoughts like the bills you're going to pay and how many likes you're getting on YouTube at the moment or how much money you're making. <laughs> it's easy in those moments in the middle of the night for me to realize I'm going to die one day and I'm not going to be here. And so I have to mm. make the most of this. Yeah. And it yeah. sounds kind of strange to say that I think about death a lot more now. Mm -hmm. Not a day goes by where I don't think about death. Yeah. Every day, yeah. every single day, I think about death. Mm -hmm. my death, the death of those around me. And again, it's not a great feeling all the time, but it just like brings me back into the present moment and it makes mm -hmm. me realize what actually matters. Dude, that's so amazing. Like, <clears throat> I, I feel the same way. And it, ma it makes me like treat every moment of my day like it's the last moment of my life. Like I, every moment to me is important in my day. And it, it, it allows you to really focus when you when you live, when you think like that, like, you know, I could die, you know, I'm, you know, I don't know. It's just you gain. Not I could die. I will die. I will die. Yeah, exactly. I will die. I am dying. <laughs> I'm dying. We're all dying. You know? <laughs> and so like you, everyone should treat it. <clears throat> you know, I, I remember the that movie I watched with the Navy SEAL dying and they took the letter out of his jacket for his daughter that he wrote for her before he went into the battle. 
and she, the daughter was reading the letter and it's her dad said, treat every moment like it's your last moment, live your life without regret. So when you die, you, you won't, or some, you won't regret anything or something like that. Right. And so that was the whole message there. And so it's such a powerful message, right? Hey, can you keep talking? I got to get a battery for my computer. I forgot to bring it in here. <laughs> It'll just take like two seconds. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. Go for it, man. <laughs> so anyone on that's watching, how's it going out there? <laughs> We are live right now. So um, Adam had to go get a battery for his uh, his thing so we can finish here. Kim says, sing us a song. Um, okay. Happy birthday to you. All right, we're back. <laughs> All right, he's back. No more singing. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. No, I was just reading some of the comments, but um, yeah, yeah. What a cool message. Like, absolutely. Um, and, you know, that's cool. That's you, the way that you've taken the message and you're, you're obviously, so, so where are things going for you now, Adam? Like um, you've gotten the message and you're going and you're like, where you, where do you see yourself going now? Like, is it, well, it's not really about you or like, what, what do you see things going forward? You mean personally or in my business on the YouTube channel? What context? Well, let's start with business. Like, where do you see you taking the business? So I've been focusing a lot. I mean, it's kind of fun. We're going to bring it down to earth now and it's going to seem super boring to some people, but I've been focusing on online content, online courses, actually. And so I have a mushroom foraging online course. I have a tree identification course. And I'm currently working on a third. And I don't think I've mentioned it publicly before. So I guess this is like the first anyone's going to hear about it. So this is like breaking news. All right. Uh, but yeah, I'm working on a third online course on ecosystems. Ecosystems. North America. Okay. And I guess at first it sounds like, well, what does that even mean? Like what? What? would a course on ecosystems be like? But it's going back to what we talked about in the beginning. We focus on individual things, a mushroom, a plant, a tree, but we don't see the bigger picture. And we mm. don't know where this thing fits in the broader ecosystem. And sometimes mm. we have no idea where we actually are. Like we have no idea what this habitat is. Mm. Like we just think it's a woodland or we just think it's a forest. But what if there's an opening in the forest and it's kind of wet, is that a bog? Is it a swamp? Is it a marsh? Is it a fen? Is it a pan? What is it? And why does that even matter? Well, it matters because you're going to find things in there that you wouldn't find in something else. For example, you'll find things in bogs that you won't find in marshes. You'll find things in swamps that you won't find in fens. And if you're interested in finding certain things, whether that's mushrooms or plants, wild edibles, trees, anything like that, it's important to know where these things typically live. Mm -hmm. And ecosystems are things to learn also. Like they're things to identify, but we don't think of it that way. Like we don't think like a river scour along a fast moving stream. And these are like the rocks along a river that keep getting scoured by ice and by flooding water. 
And it's a really unique ecosystem because prairie plants will grow there. Things that you normally wouldn't mm -hmm. find grow there. Mm -hmm. That's an ecosystem in itself. And that's something to learn. But we don't like broaden our perspective too often to think of it that way. And so through this course, I'm trying to broaden people's perspectives and actually see a much bigger mm -hmm. picture than we're used to seeing. Because we usually keep our heads down in the case of mushrooms or plants. Or in the case of birds, we just keep our heads up and we're looking like this. But we never stop to ask ourselves, like, why are these things here? And what makes this place so special? And that's what I'm trying to put into this course. Almost like the whole thing as a big, an entire living organism as a whole, instead of separate pieces, right? It's almost like an, sure. entire, it's an entire living thing by, by itself. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a thing worth learning. Like you could have keys, like we have botanical keys and mushroom keys to key out a specimen. You could have that for ecosystem. Mm. Like if this grows in this certain area and if the slope of the land is like this and the water levels are like this, and if the water is coming from here, it's mm -hmm. this kind of ecosystem. Yeah. Not many people talk that way or think that way, but that's what ecology is. And mm. so this is an ecology course, essentially. It's mm. just going to be a very basic introductory course, but it's been so much fun working on it. And I've learned a lot working on it as well. But it's interesting because, I mean, we are ecosystems mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that to be like esoteric or anything, but your body is an ecosystem. I it's love not it. just you. You're mm -hmm. way more other things than human. Mm -hmm. All the bacteria inside of you, all the fungi inside of you and outside of you, Yeah. the viruses, good and bad inside of you. Mm -hmm. You're way more than just you. A mushroom is the same way. It's not just fungal. There's bacteria on that. There's viruses in mushrooms. Mm. They're connected to plants. They're connected to trees. Yeah. So they are ecosystems in themselves. So in a yeah. way, when you learn a mushroom, you're learning an ecosystem. You just don't think of it that way. Mm. But I'm taking it like one step out even further to like look down at the bigger ecosystem. But again, I mean, even a bog is an ecosystem inside of another ecosystem. It's like those Russian dolls, you know, like it keeps <laughs> getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But it yeah. all goes back to learning the land. And this is just like another piece of it. You know, it's interesting you say all that because I've been really interested in that myself lately with um, the microbiome. And then I was on a podcast with Ian McCall the other day and he added in there the microbiome. So we had the microbiome and then he calls the mycobiome because he says there's a place for actual mushroom mycelium in your gut as well as all the other microorganisms. And when I started learning like about all these probiotics and all these living organisms you're putting into my gut and then someone explained it to me and they said look your gut is a living ecosystem it's got all these other living organisms inside your gut that are good that are keeping you healthy and i was and if you eat unhealthy stuff it's like killing it right and i was like wow that is so amazing yeah you nailed it you're an ecosystem everything is I mean, an ecosystem even actually can't be defined because where are its boundaries? But mm -hmm. we humans like to put things into boxes and to categorize things. So what we call an ecosystem, I mean, to nature isn't an ecosystem. Nature's like, oh, that's cute. You guys have to define something else. Like <laughs> that all you guys do is define things and put names on things. Yeah, that's what we do. We like doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we like that. <laughs>
Well, cool, cool. Um, so <clears throat> what about personally? You mentioned personally, what's your personal goals moving forward? Uh, gain 10 pounds of muscle over the next couple of years. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice. Uh, easier said than done. I mean, I, I've, I've got a lot of personal goals, but I don't look at it as like, it's for me. You know, like there are things to work on so that other people benefit for other people. And I know that other people benefit when I'm open and when I'm loving, but I see them as like almost the same thing. There's so many instances where people want to shut down and people want to relive past traumas and just play that same loop over and over and over again. Yeah. Oh, and I've got a lot of those things. I think, yeah. And I have to stop myself every time I get into one of those. And the faster I can stop myself, the better it is literally for everybody, not just me. Like, I don't care that much about me, but I see what happens when I don't open up mm -hmm. and be loving. It affects other people tremendously. And I don't like to see that. So that's something that I work on. But again, easier said than done. Mm, wow. That's a great goal to work on, <clears throat> to, to be more loving and to show people more love. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds like like hippie stuff and like six. No, no, and that's no. why I'm like, I'm kind of careful just to use the word open because it's a different word. So it kind of means something different to people. Mm. But to me, it's just not being closed or shut down. I'm very good. And I learned this early on how to shut down, how to stop feeling. Mm -hmm. Because as kids, some of us need to do that so that we don't experience the wrath of somebody else close to us. It's a protective mm -hmm. mechanism. Yeah. But when you're in your thirties, it's like, you don't need to do that anymore. Like you're a grown adult. Like you could tell your trauma. Thank you very much. I appreciate what you're trying to do, but I don't need you right now. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Things are actually pretty safe. And so you could just stop it right now and open up and just be authentic. And so that's something that I try to work on. And it's not always easy. Um, but doing this work helps me to do that. Like I feel very open and alive and authentic when I do learn your land. And so I think that's one of like the coping mechanisms. <laughs> but again, it, it helps other people, I think, because other people benefit from watching the videos and taking the courses. But I receive tremendous benefit as well. Like sometimes I watch the videos that I uh, create and I think that's who I want to be all the time. That person on screen. And people don't know that like, that's not always who I am. Like I'm not always so articulate. My hair's not always combed that way. <laughs> I don't always have a great, well, I got a gray shirt on now, but <laughs> I'm not always like so at peace in the woods. <laughs> Sometimes I'm very frustrated when I'm out there filming because like an airplane goes by, you know, <laughs> or it's like, the sun's glaring in my face or like I've got ticks crawling up and down my legs. Uh -huh. And I understand it's okay to be angry about some of those things, but. Well, you know, we don't record those moments, right? We just record the moment yeah. where we're smiling. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Turn it off. Oh, my leg itches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in a weird way, it's like, I get to see a version of myself that I wish I could always be. Mm. <clears throat> But like you said in the beginning, though, without something to gauge that to, you wouldn't 
have any way to judge it, right? Without the bad, we have no way to judge the good, right? Yeah, correct. <laughs> How do we? And there will always that? be bad. I mean, I'm not saying like yeah, there's yeah. a point in life where everything's going to be good for you. In uh, fact, I think as we get older, there's actually more reason to be grieving and sad, yeah, and despondent and just being weighed down because mm -hmm. life is heavy. Like it really is. Yeah. And I look at older people often. And honestly, I think I attribute this to psychedelics, but I look at older people and I imagine myself as them and how they're feeling. And mm -hmm. I think your parents are obviously dead. That mm -hmm. must hurt. Like really that must hurt. I'm so fortunate because my parents are alive. Or like your brothers and sisters actually might be dead. Or you're yeah. hurting right now. Like I could see you limping. And life mm -hmm. actually must be pretty hard right now as an older person because the culture that we live in just doesn't really care about older people. Yeah. It that it actually upsets me. It really does. Yeah, it does. It By is. the time you're retired, like 65, 70, the culture's just not for you anymore. It really mm -hmm. isn't. And I know we like to think it really is, but look how we treat older people. Look how the media treats older people. Like they're buffoons. They're stupid. They, they don't know what to do. You know, there's yeah, grandpa yeah. being grandpa again. It's like, yeah, well, all of us, if we're fortunate, will be in that position. And yeah. I don't think we're going to like it. I don't think people realize like that's going to be you one day and you're going to be kicked aside just as easily as they were and still yeah. are, unless you do something about it. And yeah. honestly, this goes back to what I said about in-person communities. Yeah. And seeking identifications from people and Real. learning from people because honestly most of the people that i go to are older people they're in their yeah. 60s they're in their 70s some of them are in their 80s and you should see them light up when they get to share some knowledge and wisdom with me mm -hmm. and i know it's benefiting them just as much as it's benefiting me yeah because i know that when i'm that age i would like it for people to come to me and seek out my advice but i also yeah. know that i will have to step up and make myself known to these people as well. That mm. I'm somebody that you can approach and that you can trust whenever it comes to mushroom IDs or uh, knowledge of the landscape. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, right? The, if you look at history, like indigenous people, right? They had tribes and the older people were always a part of the tribe and they were part of the families and they grew old and they, would pass nowadays it's like if you're old all your family's moved away from you you're sitting alone by yourself and if you can't pay your bill someone's going to move you to like a, a facility <laughs> for people to watch you till you die <laughs> right or like it's so different living in this type of world we're living in in at least in america <laughs> right now this type of life well most of us are and but it's interesting because I've been to a lot of third world countries and I've seen the families and the culture. And I love that. That's one thing that I've always loved so much about those third world countries is the way they treat family and, you know, their parents and all those things, you know. Yeah, it can be beautiful. It can be wonderful. It's not always the case where I live in our culture. And I understand it's not universal. I'm not trying to just generalize and say, this is how it is all around the world. Yeah. Absolutely not. But it's true where I live. Yeah, exactly.
in my world, <laughs> in my world, that's the way it is. <laughs> yeah, that's all that matters, my world. <laughs> oh, man. Well, man, this has been a great time, Adam. We've gone over the hour. I really appreciate your time today and coming on here. This, I think this was really cool, and uh, people will benefit a lot from hearing all this stuff, I think. Yeah, I hope so. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome. And, people, and for people that would um, want to learn more about you and want to follow you for more information, uh, what's the best way for them to, to do that? Uh, the YouTube channel is where I put most of my recent content. So okay. if you just search learn your land, you'll find it. But I also encourage people to sign up for the email newsletter. Um, that's probably the best way to stay in touch because I'll okay. post updates on events and courses and classes that I'm teaching. So if you go to learnyourland.com, you can sign up for that email newsletter. All right. So YouTube channel, learn your land, and then also your newsletter on your website, go to learnyourland.com. Yeah. And then right at the top, it's strategically uh, placed there. (laughs) You can see it. (laughs) Put your email address in there and then we'll stay in touch. (laughs) Yeah. I would love it if people do that. That's a good way to support the channel. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for everything you do, Adam. I mean, you've helped me personally a lot. And I know obviously millions of other people feel the same way because of uh, the way they've reacted to everything you produce. So thank you so much. And uh, thank you for being here and um, stay in touch. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for the opportunity. It was great chatting with you. Any, any, any last words before we close out that you'd like to say? Spend as much time as you can outside. It's really important. As much time as you can. I understand that some people are busy. I understand we have obligations, but Mm -hmm. you have to be out there. And as much as you possibly can, do it without a screen in front of you. Try to leave those things behind or turned off. Um, I understand the necessity of being able to contact somebody if you need it, but there was a time when we didn't actually need that. mm -hmm. And we got along just fine. Yeah. And look how you don't much- have to take a picture of everything you see. You don't have to have a name for everything that you see. Just spend as much time as you can outside. And I say it might not make sense. I mean, for this crowd, probably it makes sense. But for some people, it might not make sense now. But mm-hmm. give it like seven and a half years and it'll start to make sense. Yeah. And nature has a lot to teach us, right? Just by being out in nature. <laughs> yeah. Sense. I mean, through osmosis. You know, you mm-hmm. could be out there and absorb some things. Not always, though. I mean, you have to do your part as well. I like to say that it's not the responsibility of the land to teach you. It's your responsibility to learn. Mm-hmm. Like nature, people say nature's a teacher. I get that. And it's not like nature signed up to be a teacher. <laughs> it's not like that's its role to teach you <laughs> specifically. There are things that you can learn as a student. Uh-huh. But you don't always have to look at it like this is my teacher and it's going to teach me this thing because mm-hmm. that puts all the responsibility, I think, on the teacher. Oh, uh, yeah. Not on you, you. You have a lot of work to do. Yeah. A lot of work to do. We all do. Mm-hmm. And if you're watching this and you're still alive, that means you've got more work to do. Yeah. If you can fog a mirror, you've got work to do. <laughs> there you go. So get to work, everybody. Yeah. All right, Adam. Thanks so much, man. Have a good one. Till next time.
All right, so if you want to know how curative mushrooms is helping sad people to improve their mental health by growing happy mushrooms at home using an all-in-one simple growing system that doesn't require any complicated instructions or expensive equipment, then head over to curativemushrooms.com.